You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Um, If you would, take your Bible, turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We're going to start in verse number 22, and as the habit we're beginning to get into, if everyone would stand while we read the verses, we'll, in honor of the Word of God, we'll read through those. We're going to start in verse number 22, and we're going to read down to the end of the chapter. So if you just follow along with me, the Bible says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart, This man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to be in church tonight to kind of refresh our souls, refresh our spirits uh, with your word. Lord, I pray that you'll... Uh, help me tonight as I bring the message I believe that you have for me. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll help me to be concise and say the things that are helpful and beneficial. Lord, I pray that you'll be with all the other uh, classes that are going around here as well. Be with our pastor and his family as they're away from us. Lord, keep them safe as they travel back. Help everything to go smoothly. And again, if it's your will, help the house to be finalized and sell and be uh, taken care of, Lord. Uh, We love you. We thank you for everything you've done for us. Again, be with us here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as I was preparing, I'm always, I guess I'm maybe too transparent when I talk. I'm like, yeah, so I was trying to rack my brain and what to preach about. Every time I have to preach, get to preach, uh, it's like, okay, no pressure. You've done it a few times. It's a little easier, but it's, you know, I'm not... You're not a bunch of 15, 16-year-olds like I usually am doing on Wednesday night. And I can tell that, hey, you know, shape up, listen up, and we can get real into it. We can talk about the twins, or we can talk about, you know, a little more relaxed. And then you come up here, it's, kind of, it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal to preach in here. It is to me, and I, I, I'm honored that I'm asked, and I look forward to doing it. But it is a little nerve-wracking. So as I've been, read, I've been reading a little bit more than usual, just kind of like, okay, God, where do you want me to go? What would you like me to do? And I... I kind of got stuck on one thing and I was starting to prepare and it just didn't feel right. So as I was reading through James and I've, I've preached out of James before, I got to here and I thought about us, right? I think last time I preached up here, I talked about, on a Wednesday night, we talked about worry um, and anxiety and we were, we were getting ready for the jets to come and we were just, you know, what's it going to be like? We were excited, but that could also bring some worry because of the change. And now they've been here for about a month. 
right? And a little bit more, and it's exciting, and things, we're excited, he's excited, you know, we're, we're, not that we weren't excited before, but it just feels fresh and new. And as I was thinking about those things, and him talking about being disciples, right, and, and making other disciples, and just kind of his goal and what he wants to do, God kind of laid it on my heart, and for me, so this message has been for me specifically, and I, God said, well, maybe, maybe there'd be something worth sharing. So I'll start with that by saying it's for me, first of all. Um, and I'm excited about our future, as I think most of us are, if not all of us. Um, so if you have kids and some wives, if you have husbands, you've probably had uh, an issue with this in the past. You ever told your son, your daughter, your son, maybe in my case, who happens to be sitting right over there, Everybody's looking at him right now. Good. Okay, I just want to make sure you embarrass him a little bit. Um, and you tell them to do something, right? You give them instructions or something. All right, I, would, I need you to do this, this, and this. And they may be sitting on the couch or doing something else, but you're asking them to either stop what they're doing and go do this instead. And again, this might be husbands sometimes too, but you know, I'm not going to throw myself under the bus, right? I'm going to do my 13-year-old instead. And you get done telling them and they... You're like finished and you're pretty concise and clear about what you want them to do and they just sit there. And you're like, well, he heard me. I know he heard the words coming out of my mouth, but he hasn't moved. It's like, did you, did you hear what I said? He's like, yeah, I hear you. It's like, okay, you hear me, but we're not moving. We're not, we're not doing what you heard. You heard it, meaning, yes, I've, I've accepted what you've said. I'm, I'm aware of it, but we've not transitioned into the what needs to be done instructions maybe that doesn't happen in your house and that doesn't happen in my house all the time at all it's very very rare that that happens I mean usually they are on it right away but it happens right I've I've said it myself yeah I I hear you but I'm not really motivated to move right away well we have a passage of scripture here that James is telling the church and God through the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit telling us as Christians that we can do that to God. We can say, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I understand. I'm even with you. But there's a difference between hearing and actually going and doing something about what you're hearing, right? So we're going to talk about that tonight. The word doer here in verse number 22, doers of the word, actually means a performer, like a poet specifically, a poet performing for it's doing something, it's getting up and performing and doing something is what the word doer there means. And the words previous to this, the verses previous to this, uh, James was talking about putting away filthiness, putting away naughtiness and filthiness. He's like, get, we get to get that out of your life. And when we get that out of your life, now we're going to do something good. We're going to move along. We're going to do something about what we're trying to get rid of and trying to move on with our life. So he says here, to be doers of the word, and the word being God's commands, right? What God tells us to do. And not hearers only. Now he spends the next few verses talking about those of us that have all fall into this category at some time or another, that we just hear. And he spends a good chunk of time here in this passage talking about, okay, if you're here, this is what you're doing. This is what you need to change and how we get there. He spends a lot of time, he doesn't really talk a lot about the doing, he talks a lot about those that are doing the hearing only. You know, the most attentive and frequent hearing of preaching of God's word does nothing without movement. Like you could come to church every time the doors are open, every time there's a service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special services, missions conference, 
all the things that we would have preaching from. You could come, you could go to Sunday school class, you could do all the things and hear every sermon possible every week, but without some action put behind what is preached, what good does it do? Right? If someone comes that's unsaved and they come to every message, say for a whole entire month, they come to every service, but they never do anything about accepting Christ as their Savior, they never make that choice or that decision, the hearing has really done no good up to that point. It's good to hear. It's very good to hear preaching. But if you, there's not something behind it, it's kind of in vain. You know, a sermon heard every day of the week, preached by an angel from heaven, would never bring anyone to heaven just by the preaching alone. It, as James says here, it must be practiced. It must be done. Something must be done. Ones that hear only and think that will suffice, as it says there in verse number 22, they deceive themselves. If those that are, will come, they'll hear the word of God, they'll hear the preaching, they may even amen, they may even agree with what's being preached, but that's all they do. They only hear, and they think that's good enough for them, that thinks that gets them through, that, that suffices what God expects from them. I'm there and I'm hearing the Bible says that they deceive themselves. And that word is a very long Greek word that I'm not going to say because I wrote it down with thinking like, I should be able to say, I practiced it a few times. Like before, while I was studying, like I, I said it out loud, did the Google thing, you know, where it says it for you, so I practiced along with it. And then I get up here and look at it, I'm like, mm, I'm not going to try because it would be embarrassing. But it's a very long word. Um, and it literally means delude oneself or to give clever reasons but use a fallacious argument or an argument based on mistaken belief. So it's, it's to delude yourself. You ever do that? You ever, you ever like convince yourself of things? I, I, I do it a lot. You know, you have the inner monologue, right? So if, you're, if, if you know me well enough, I like books. I like comic books. And they always have an inner monologue with a character, right? It's the bubbles, not the arrow, where they're thinking about in this whole conversation they'll have. Now, you, I do this often. If you could see that, you would see the bubbles of my head, you know, going out of my head, a little cloud up here of all the things that I'm thinking about. And I'll try to convince myself that I'm good. If we want to talk about spiritual things and, and, and studying God's word and being a hearer, I'll, I'll sit out here and I'll hear Brother Jet preach or I'll listen to sermons and I'll be like, yeah, that's really good. And in my mind, I'll be like, I'm, I'm, I do that, right? Like, yeah, yeah I'm pretty, yeah. I feel like most of the time I'm pretty good with that and I agree with that and I follow that and I sit in my own mind and I try to convince myself that I don't need to change, that I don't need to do anything about what is being preached because I'm fine, I'm good with it, I'm good, I'm there and I'm deceiving myself. I'm trying to convince myself that you don't need to change the way you are, it's just fine, you don't need to do better, you don't need to read more, there's not another area you can serve in. And I try to convince myself that what I'm hearing is good enough. I don't have to change it. But the Bible tells us if all we're doing is hearing, and we're not doing something with, with what we're hearing, we're deluding ourselves. We're arguing and giving clever reasons with ourselves based on a you know, f failed argument, based on a faulty argument, a mistaken belief that we're good enough. So how do they deny themselves, or how do they deceive themselves? The Bible gives us, he goes into the detail here. This is how this happens. 
So if you're just a hearer, you're, you're deceiving yourself. Now let me give you a good example. And I, I love analogies. I like to use real life things to make, uh, it works really well with teenagers, but it works really well with humans. Um, analogies are great. They, they, they make it more real to you. And James uses a really good analogy here. In verse 23, he says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened to a man. I don't know why, I mean, I think it's just mankind, because we know. Beholding his natural face in a glass. So we're talking about looking in a mirror. Now, I mentioned I deal with teenagers, right? And on Wednesday nights, usually in teaching teenagers. And I, let me tell you, and you remember, because it wasn't that long ago, you were one. Teenagers really like to look in the mirror. Girls and boys, right? Guys, they want to make sure the hair is just right, make sure there's nothing in their teeth, right? They, the guys and girls, teenagers like to look in mirrors. Now, you know, adults do too. There might be a point where you're just like, ah, you know, I'm good, whatever. You know, that happens some days, for sure. But there are definitely some people that mirrors are important, and they like to make sure that what they're presenting to the world is presentable. You know, that's, that's a good rule of thumb to have. So he's, he, he gives the analogy that if you're just a hearer, you hear what God's word says, again, this is not someone that's denying Christ or saying that the Bible isn't true. This is someone that's a hearer. They're on board. They hear it, but that's all they do. It's like looking into a mirror, and then continuing on to verse number 24, for he beholdeth himself. Okay, so that, that means he, he notices the things about himself that maybe need to be fixed, right? He sees them. He, he observes them or considers them. He beholds himself, and he goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So he sees the issues in his life. He looks at the mirror. He sees the smudge on his face. He sees his hair not done right. And he sees it, he's like, yeah, that needs to be fixed. Puts the mirror down, goes his way, and it's out of his mind. Completely forgets about it. So analogies are good. Props are good, too, right? You like props? I like props. So I, I have a mirror on my wall, right, in my bathroom that I use. My daughter has an awesome mirror. I asked her for it. I was like, can I borrow your mirror? She's like, why? It's like, I'm going to use it in church. What? It's like, yeah, so, you know, I can see myself. For audio listeners, I'm holding up a mirror that's uh, pink leopard print. It just has some butterflies on the front. It's really cute. Um, so I can see myself. I see, you know, I got, if I get real close, I can really see the imperfections, right? You can, depending on how much you study it, how much you look at the mirror, you can really see the grays in your beard. You know, you can see that, man, I got some crow's feet going, which means I laugh a lot, so that's good. Um, but, I've, you know, I can see the imperfections. And I might even go, you know, I'm going to be a little dramatic. So maybe I got some stuff in my face, right? Like I got some schmutz in my beard. And this happens. Did you see that article recently that says men with beards are more dirty than dogs? Whatever, get out of here. Get out of here with that garbage. I don't drink out of toilets much. So I see my face, I'm like, oh, that's a problem, right? I'm a hearer right now. Oh, man, that's a problem. I could even, yeah, a, no, we can, uh, we could do, you know, mess up our hair. We could say, oh, man, you guys use product in your hair? It's hard. You could mess up your hair like this and be like, I could go. Now, if I were with my wife and we were going to go out on a date, you recording this? That's good. 
if we were going out and on a date, she would not, she would not let me go out like this. Right? I'd be like, all right, I'm ready to go, hon. Let's go. We're going out in the town, you and me. And she'd be like, no, we're not going out like that. I will stay in the car, and you will pick up the food, and we will take it home. But a man that's a hearer only, right? Verse number 24, he beholdeth himself. And the word beholdeth there literally means he, he discovers the things. He perceives them. He observes. He considers. He sees that he's got issues. He sees that his life is not what God expects him to be, whether it's himself, where he's got issues. Is this distracting? It's getting really distracting, isn't it? Where he, he's got issues in his life that he needs to change. Maybe it's internal things. Or he's not doing enough for God. Maybe there's opportunities and there are, there are places where he can serve, where God would like him to serve, and he sees it. He's like, you know, I could do something more. I have the time. I've, I've been asked or I'm able. And he's like, yeah, I consider it. I see it. I have, I have something I could do more. And then he puts the mirror down and it, it's out of his mind. He's like, yeah, but, you know, that's okay. I'm, I'm sure I'm fine. I, I either, either I dismiss it, I'm never going to get it all either. I argue myself, with myself that it's not that big of a deal, and I walk away, and I forget. What manner of man? Pretty good. Smell, it smells really good. What manner of man I am? You know, they're here's only. They go about their way and immediately forget what the problems were either internally that they had to fix, or the convictions they had about doing more. When, when they put the mirror down, when they're done hearing the word, right? We sit here and we hear a great message on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever the case may be. And the Holy Spirit gets your heart. And he, he convicts you about something or urges you. He's trying to show you, as a Christian, this is what you can do better in your own life. Or this is where you could serve. Like, like Brother Jez said, if we don't all get together and, and start to work and try to make more disciples, we're never going to fill this building. It's not just going to happen. It takes work. It takes doing. But those that just hear, they get that conviction while they're sitting there. They, they feel the Holy Spirit trying to tell them to do something. But as soon as the last song's done and you're dismissed, it's like, all right, Pizza Ranch, here we come. And it's on the way to Pizza Ranch and... Everything that was mentioned in the sermon, in the service, the convictions you felt, they're lost. The inward searching of your heart is gone. All feelings of change and wanting to do, based on the Holy Spirit's guidance, have vanished. And you sit down and you eat buffet-style pizza until you're sick because you just it's, you eat as much as you want. And you forget it all. And the rest of the afternoon is just you doing whatever you need to do and however life goes, taking naps, taking care of the kids, doing this, doing that, and then it's back to church Sunday night. And it might come back at that point and be like, oh yeah, I was convicted about something uh, this morning. And maybe you'll get convicted again about something on Sunday night and be like, man, yeah, I need to. I'm, again, you like this mirror, Timothy? I knew you guys would love this mirror, the Lawson's. If you want to borrow it, you can, I can ask Madison. Um, but you get back Sunday night and you look in the mirror again. The mirror is presented to you. The gospel is brought to your attention. And Brother Jed or somebody preaches and the Holy Spirit's there again and he's showing you. And as a Christian, unless you're ignoring, but we're talking about hearers, you look at it, you're like, oh, right, I have that issue. I can do that. I feel like I can do more. But then Sunday night's over and then maybe you go to Culver's after Sunday night church, right? And we put that mirror down again and then we forget about it. And then we got three days Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, where it doesn't even come up again in our minds. 
That's a hearer only. That's what we don't want to be. That's what James is saying. Don't, don't be like this. We don't, want, don't be hearers only, because hearers only see the issues, and then they forget who they are. They forget what manner of man they are. They just, it goes away. Then it continues in verse number 25. Before I get there, let me back up here one second. When, when you feel that conviction, right, when you're here, we've all been there. We've all sat in church. I'm guessing in the last four weeks, you've sat here and, and something pastors preaches convicted you through the Holy Spirit. And we sit there and we, we either think, okay, we need to, I need to do something about this. Either in my life I need to change something or there's something I can actually do to help the service here at church. And the invitation is given. Now we're South Dakotans. We're pretty chill. We're really laid back. We don't like to be brushed into things. We like to just kind of, whoa, slow it down. This is the Midwest. Call It's okay. Everyone's fine. It's going to be great. It's, it's for, don't you know? We're going to be just fine, don't you know? And we are, have the invitation. And an altar call is, is given. And we, I will sit there sometimes. And I will sit in my pew or stand in my pew as, as the preacher will say, come on down, do business with God. And I'll, and I'll stand right over there. I'll be like, that was a good sermon, but I'll just kind of stand there and wait for the singing to be done. Oh, there's a few people up there. Because, you know, you're, you're down like this, but you're looking. Pretend like you're not. And uh, you just kind of like, all right, we'll wait till it's done. And then the singing's over, and then that feeling goes away. That's why an altar call is important. Because when you come down to an altar call, it's kind of like taking the mirror. And then I don't do this, but a lot of people do. I mean, usually it's a full mirror, right? And you'd be like, okay. Wait, I gotta put my hand on my hip, right? Is it like this? Like, all right, click. And you take a selfie, right? To remember, to, 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 so you could know the work you did, the things that you see in the mirror, the, the person you are, you take a picture of it and you save it, you post it, whatever, you send it to somebody. An altar call is like you taking the mirror, looking in the glass, beholding what manner of man you are, and taking a selfie. Because you came down to the altar and you're, you're serious about what God has convicted you on. God has gotten to your heart and you want to show him you're serious. So you come to the altar and you take a selfie of yourself so you remember. It's not to put on social media. It's not to show other people, look at me, I'm going to the altar, I'm a super good Christian. Or look at me, don't look at me, I'm going to the altar, I'm really, really bad. That's not what the altar is about. The altar is about coming down and showing God what you showed me today through this message. I mean business about it. Can you do that from your pew? Yes, you can. But it's a lot easier to put this down and forget about it when you don't take a picture, take a selfie, move forward, do something. That solidifies it not only to God, but it solidifies it to your heart. Remember verse number 22. If we're just hearers, we're deceiving ourselves. And we will have that conversation in our head about not needing to go to the altar too, won't we? I've been there. I've done it. I mean, unless I'm the only person, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably happened to you too. So an altar call isn't just a good idea. It's a good way to solidify your heart what God has been talking to you about. It's making sure that you don't just put that mirror away and forget the things that were talked about. It solidifies it. It's, it's that selfie. You'll remember it a little bit more, what God is trying to show you. So continue on in verse number 25. <clears throat> he kind of gives us another viewpoint of looking into this mirror. It says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but doer of the work, 
this man shall be blessed in his deed. So if you are a doer, verse 25 tells us, if you are a doer, there are blessings there. And for anyone that has been a doer, that has served, that has served in church, that has done something, there is blessing there. Is it hard work? Uh Uh-huh. Is it tiresome? Sometimes. Is it not rewarding for other people? Do other people maybe not see what you do? And you're like, man, I wish I got some recognition for all the hard work I just did serving. Yeah, that happens. But there is blessing in doing. God tells us, unless he's a liar, God tells us the man that does the doing is blessed in his deed. The things that he does bring blessing into his life. So when you're looking at the word of God, the the perfect law of liberty, you're looking at God's mirror and and it reflects all your sin. And it reflects how much you need God. It reflects the perfectness of who he is. And it shows us that we need him. And when we're constantly continuing, right? Continue with therein, if we're in here all the time, and we're constantly looking in that mirror, God's going to show you things. And if you're continuing in them and, and not being a forgetful here, not being the one that puts the mirror down, but being in it and, and doing something about it, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed in his deed, not by his deeds. It's not the work that does anything for you, right? I'm not talking about being saved by the good things you do, by by the work and the good works that you do does not earn you salvation. Jesus did that for you. But doing the good things, you get blessed in those deeds. The deeds don't bless you, but doing them is the blessing. And God brings that to you, and that's a command. We're supposed to do this. Verse 22, be ye doers. It's not an A if you want to, if you got the time, if you're not busy, if it's okay with you, but it's a command to be ye doers. Now, I did a Google search because Google's always right, as you know, and I searched for how many commands there are in the New Testament. And it's really, this could be wrong, but it sounded good, and I didn't have time to go count them. But it said there are 1,050 commands to Christians in the New Testament. Now, because you have four Gospels, a lot of them are probably the same ones. Um, but 1,000 commands. Now, commands from God, those, that's not like when I'm talking to Carter and giving him a list of things to do. And he's like, yeah, I hear you, but doesn't do them. For us as Christians, commands of God are commands. So, like, do them. That's 1,000 things that God commands us to do, whether it's love your neighbor as yourself, you know, to reverence your husband, whatever the, obey your parents, whatever the commands are, those commands are given to us as Christians to do. To do, not just hear and understand, but to do them. Uh, In John 3, or John 13, verse 17, Jesus says, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now, Jesus said this immediately after washing his disciples' feet. They had just come in from being outside and dusty feet and their sandals, and Jesus, the master, the teacher, for them, they knew the Savior of all mankind got on his knees with a bowl and a towel, and he washed the dirt and the dust off their feet. The master did that, and he says, do this to others. Do what I do. Take my example and do this as well. Serve. And then immediately after he says serve like I am, let's follow my example. He says, if you know these things, the service that I'm just telling you, happy are ye 
if you do them. God says, if you do what I command you, if you are the servant, if you are the doer, you are going to be a happier Christian. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be happier. You're going to be more fulfilled. You ever feel down in the dumps about your Christianity? You ever feel like you're just kind of hitting that brick wall? You're just kind of stuck. You're not growing. You just kind of feel blah. You want to, you want to get out of that? You want to break out of that? Serve somebody. Do something for somebody. Go out. Go out of your way to do something for God in God's name to glorify him not to get it to you not to say look what I did everybody I did this awesome work aren't I great but it's to show that how great God is he deserves me to do the work and he expects me to so what are you doing about it daily what are you doing we we all fall into this category of hearing only sometimes you will and it's a constant fight to make sure you're not just a hearer. Are you hearing the good preaching we've had the last few months, the last month or so? Are you hearing God in your daily Bible reading as he's showing you things? Or are you bringing that perfect law of liberty and looking into it? What are you doing about it then? Or is, is it somebody else that's going to do? What are you doing about it? Are you taking God's word and making changes in your life? Man, if we ask God to change something about us every time we heard a message... I think he probably would. I think he would love to change something about us every time we heard preaching. Man, that would be, if you count Sunday, that's four times a week. If you count Sunday school, you'd have to change something about your life four times a week. But we become hearers a lot of times. We're like, yeah, I'm good there. And we deceive ourselves. But God says, do something. If there's something about your life that you need to change, do it. Now, if there's something you can go out and do and practically help somebody or help the church serve here, look for ways to do. Look for ways to serve. As an employer, right, as a guy that does, that pays people money to do things, when an employee does something without being asked because they know it needs to be done, as, as a human, sinful, carnal employer, when some employee does something without being asked because it needs to be done, I'm like, oh, this is, I like this guy. This, this kid knows what I'm, I'm going to, he's going to get the blessing from me. He's going, to, he's going to get a raise a lot quicker, right? When raises come around, he's going to be considered for that a lot faster. He's also going, if he needs a day off or needs something special, I'm going to be more willing to kind of bend with that because I know this person's a doer. And this is a carnal come eat food that's not good for you but it tastes good you know this this is life Simp doesn't matter in the long term right the eating making hamburgers and serving ice cream doesn't matter in eternity that gives me a living and it helps me to be able to take care of my family but it doesn't it doesn't matter in the end no how many ice cream cones i sold today doesn't matter at all but even in that situation this method this plan what God says works. So if it works in the carnal human world, how much more would it work for us? If we're doing, God sees that. He wants to see that. And he expects us to do that as Christians. So to kind of finish out here, I'm just about done. James, fin James finishes the chapter here talking about what pure and undefiled religion is. He kind of shifts gears a little bit, but it's still connected to the doing. He gives specific, what, what is pure religion? He talks about the person that acts religious, but he can't stop talking. And it's usually him building himself up 
and usually by putting other people down. And that's how his religion is. It's making himself, remember the, the Pharisee that said, God, thank you, I'm not like this publican and this sinner over here. That's usually what this religion, this religious man that is vain or empty is, is someone that's puffing himself up by putting other people down. He can't bridle his tongue, and he's, he's making himself think he's great. That's not religion. God says pure religion is undefiled before the God and Father is to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. It's basically to go and visit, which the word visit mean, there means giving relief to those that are in need. Pure religion is going around, finding where the need is and filling it. In this specific time, it was, it was the fatherless and the widows that were the ones that were cast off and forgotten and not taken care of. And so you use that as an example, and the, the example holds true still today, but it's to find anything where there's a need that you can fill by doing. That's pure and undefiled religion. Is you serving. That's what God says here. And then he says, and to keep himself unspotted from the world, to keep yourself pure and clean. And if you're busy doing things for God, you have a lot less time to fall into temptation. You have a lot less time to be into things we shouldn't be into. We have a lot less time as adults to be looking at ourselves. Because that's a lot of times where we'll fall as adults. We aren't going to go out and you know, turn the radio on in our car as we go home and listen to the, the rock and roll stations. Right? We're not going to go home and watch the movies we shouldn't watch or talk with our friends in a, in a bad way or use foul language as Christian adults. We aren't going to do that, but we may focus on ourselves a little bit and be a little prideful and a little selfish. But if we're busy doing things for others, doing things for God, doing and not just hearing, you're going to be a lot less time to be tempted to do that, and you'll do a lot better job at keeping yourself unspotted from the world. God expects us to be different. God expects us to do. So as we grow this church, right, as we continue to grow here as Christians individually, but as physically we continue to, to try to make more disciples and bring more people into this building to fill it up, to, to gain more friends, to gain more Christian brothers and sisters, to work together, to, to serve together, be doers, Let's not just hear what's being preached up here, but let's do something about it. And again, as I started off, I said this was for me first. God got to me with this this week and made sure that I am doing and I can do more and I can be better. God expects that. So as Eastside Baptist Church, let's make sure we're not just hearers of the word, but we're also doers. And I think if we do that, because the Bible says so, we will be blessed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.